0: leave thy throne and thy kingly crown, 103, as we get started tonight.
1: Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for Thee. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming Thy royal degree. But in lowly birth didst Thou come to earth, and in great humility. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. On the fourth, thou camest, O Lord, with the living word that should set thy people free. But with mocking scorn and with crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for Thee. When the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at Thy coming to victory, let Thy voice call me home, saying, yet there is room, there is room at my side for Thee and my heart shall rejoice Lord Jesus there is room in my heart for Thee and let's turn over to page 108 trying to sing
0: a few of the songs we haven't sung very much or haven't sung yet angels from the realms of
1: glory 108 108 Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim the Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching all your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Sages, leave your contemplation, brighter visions, beam of awe. Seek the great desire of nations ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. God And leave a Lord descending, wandering, here. here. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. And let's turn over to 112. 112. There's a song in the air. 112. There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer and a baby's low cry, and the star rings its fire while the beautiful seek for the manger of Bethlehem cradles a key the tumult of joy or the wonderful birth for the virgin sweet child is the Lord of the earth I the star rings it fire while the beautiful sing for the manger of Bethlehem great King let's sing that last We rejoice in the light and we echo the song that comes down through the night from the heavenly thrall. I wish out to the lovely evangel they bring and we greet in his cradle our Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you
0: for this time of the year. We thank you for the beautiful weather we've been having. Lord, we thank you that uh, the precipitation coming this weekend is wet and not white. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that uh, for your goodness to us. We thank you for strength and health. We thank you for the privilege of assembling together. And Lord, we just come before you and ask that you would take this time Honor and glorify yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. And uh, just want to ask you to keep uh, the Gill family, that's Anita's cousins, in, in prayer. Uh, her uncle, right? No, where's Anita? There she is. Her uncle, your uncle, passed away uh, just last week. And. Uh, not sure yet, but uh, I may actually be saying something at the service at the funeral home. So please, please pray. Her uncle was actually part of the Sikh uh, religion. If you're familiar with that, the uh, people that wear the turbans. Uh, somebody said, "Oh no, they're Muslim." No, no, the turbans are not Muslim. Those are Sikhs. It's its own, complete, separate religion. They come from northern India, uh, and uh, so uh, just uh, pray uh, that God, if if I do speak, that God will give wisdom to say the right things. Uh, It's uh, very difficult for um, a a Bible-believing pastor to speak at a funeral where they're pretty well certain that uh, her uncle did not believe in. So, so just just cover your prayers, and uh, please pray for the family, and uh, the the comfort that God can give, and God can give comfort in any situation, just uh, will be found, and so please, please pray uh, for the family, if you would, and uh, continue to pray for Brother George. service. It'll be at 6 o'clock, the normal service time, uh, but it'll be a completely different format in the service. It'll, uh, we'll uh, probably have the lights dimmed and just try to make it a nice start to the actual Christmas celebration. You can be here and uh, certainly the gospel will be preached. If you have unsaved friends and family, uh, then invite them to come Christmas Eve and we'll... Again, started at 6 o'clock, New Year's Eve teams, uh We had a very short meeting Sunday morning. Tonight, if we could have just five minutes to start assigning some jobs. And, uh, Anita, if you don't mind, we're going to include you in because you're not graduated college yet. So we're going to uh, let you have a part in that if you would like. And uh, we're going to have the teams do almost everything. We're going to start at 9 o'clock, and we're going to go through midnight, all right, on New Year's Eve, not Christmas Eve. Um, I don't know who it is. I think it's the Greeks that, uh, and I know the Catholic Church has a midnight mass on New Year's Eve, and, and uh, I think it's the Greeks that shoot fireworks off on Christmas Eve. Don't they do that, Teddy? Or no, that's Easter, isn't it? Easter. right, the Saturday night before Easter uh, you can guarantee there's going to be fireworks in the story Um, okay I I knew there was some time they shot off fireworks, whether Mayor Bloomberg said so or not and uh, so uh, but uh, New Year's Eve, 9 o'clock through midnight Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock through about 7.15 or so, All right, so Get all that uh, put together there. Let's sing one more song. Let's try 115. 115, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks.
1: While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground. The angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around, and glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled mind. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you all mankind, to you and all mankind, to you in David's town, this day is born of David's line, the Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the sign, and this shall be the sign. The heavenly babe you there shall find to you mi- All <laughs> Oh, meanly wrapped in swaddling bands and in a manger laid. And in a manger laid on that last all oh-
0: on earth, goodwill toward men, I think it's the only way that there ever is going to be peace, is when the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, rules this whole world from the city of peace, which is Jerusalem, amen, that's when there's going to be peace, it's kind of interesting, we've got a lot of crazy ideas out there, there's people that said, well, the only problem in the Middle East is Israel. Just listen to the news reports. Uh, Can anybody tell me who the largest group that is dying in Iraq is? It's It's not American soldiers. It's not Iraqi civilians at the hands of American soldiers, even though if you listen to news media, you might tend to believe that. It is Iraqi people, Arab people being killed by other Arab people. That is where the killing is going on. And guess what? Uh, they're jealous in Gaza. And so the Fatah, the leftovers from Yasser Arafat, and uh, the Hamas are now killing each other. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. The Israelis launch a few strikes, and so they start killing each other. Uh, let me tell you, the, the Arab people hate each other. As much as they do anybody else, because their, their religion is a religion of hatred. There there is no love, there is no forgiveness, there is no reconciliation. There's just slavery and subservience. And uh, you know we've we've got to understand the only place you're going to find love and peace is in the person of Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I was I think I was talking with Dave in our discipleship this week. You you don't want to solve the problem in the Middle East is the reason why democracy is not taking very well in Iraq is because their understanding of society is either you're a part of my group or you're a slave to my group or you're an enemy to my group. Those are the only ways it goes. You see, here in America, we have this thing called self-determination. Our founding fathers called it the pursuit of happiness, meaning that you got to determine what you would do with your life. Does anybody know where the that great thing called self-determination, where that came from? Nope, wrong book. Not the hymn book. came from this book right here, the Bible. Amen. Now, if we want people in Iraq to really understand that, what we need to do is get about 100,000 cases of Bibles, take them over there, pass them out to everybody, and just explain to them what personal freedom is and where it comes from, and maybe we'd see something change over there. I don't know. What do you think? It'd be something to pray about, but when Jesus is actually ruling that place, there will be peace in the Middle East, Amen. And um, you say, what does that have to do with the lesson tonight? Oh, not much. But uh, I just think at the Christmas season, we always hear goodwill and peace on earth. I think somebody wrote a silly little contemporary ditty, all I want for Christmas is peace on earth. And uh, yet, Jesus is not welcome anywhere. You can't make public displays. You can't. Uh, you can't pray in Jesus' name. They just fired some guy from, uh, I think it was the New Jersey Senate. He prayed in Jesus. He used Jesus' name three times in his prayer. Can you imagine that? And so he's no longer allowed to lead in prayer in the New Jersey Senate. And you wonder why we don't have peace. The Prince of Peace is who brings peace. Amen. And uh, you can take any situation. I have a good friend. His name is Zoltan Pinter, and I. He is a preacher. And Zoltan is from Yugoslavia. Now I don't remember which is which, but you remember the Serbians and the Croats doing all the fighting and hating each other and everything. Well. Zoltan is either Serbian and his wife is Croatian Or he's Croatian and his wife is Serbian But I mean it's like blood enemies And they're married to each other And have a wonderful marriage and love each other Because of the Lord Jesus Christ And when they go back there to visit uh, As they're driving through the checkpoints They're very careful to note which one it is And whichever checkpoint it is That's who does the speaking And the other one stays very quiet as they go through the checkpoint so that they get through both of them. And, and, you know, it's interesting how the Lord does that. Amen. And Jesus is the bringer of peace. And, And we're going to start here in verse 26. And it kind of leads in there. It says, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Hebrews chapter 7, and we're going to read verse 28. For the law maketh men high priest, which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated forevermore. Now, as we look at these last three verses, we're going to try to finish up chapter 7 tonight. And we're putting this in very certain order according to the way the writer of Hebrews put this together. The first four chapters is God's revelation to man and man's response to that revelation. Jesus came, and what do people want to do? They want to compare Jesus to angels. They want to compare Jesus to creation. They want to compare Jesus to all of these different things. Chapters 3 and 4 talk about rest. There is a rest for the children of God. That rest is pictured in the Old Testament law that said you're to hallow the Sabbath day, you're to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, Sabbath, by the way, is Saturday. It is the seventh day. It was never designed to be primarily a day of worship. It was designed to be a day of rest. That's what keeping the Sabbath day holy was all about. You weren't to work. The picture there is being that when we in the New Testament come to Jesus for our salvation, are we supposed to work for that salvation? Absolutely not. The work was finished by Jesus Christ. We are to rest in Jesus Christ every day is the Sabbath. For the Christian. You ever run into a Seventh-day Adventist person, they, they have a lot of interesting things about the Sabbath. Uh, they said Sunday worship is the mark of the beast. One of them was picking on Peter one time. And uh, I told Peter, I said, the next time, and he was much younger then, he will take care of himself now, but... Uh, I, he was much younger. I said, the next time somebody tells you that, it says, when you figure out how to turn Sunday into a tattoo that will fit on the back of my right hand or my forehead, I believe you. Because the mark of the beast is a mark, and it fits on the back of your right hand or on your forehead. The last time I checked, that would be awful hard to do with Sunday, wouldn't it? You know, that's how silly people get. Because they want to make their writings and their people agree with the Bible. The Bible was never meant to agree with you. It was meant to change you. It was meant to alter your behavior. It was meant to be God's final authority and to change us. And as we're talking about Jesus, we are looking here at God's provision for our failures as mankind. The number one provision, chapter 5, was Jesus Christ as our high priest. Not only was He the offerer, He is the priest that brings the sacrifice to God. He is the one that stands between God and man. He is also the sacrifice. And then we go to chapter 6, and it talks about how that salvation is forward-moving. It's not meant to just be Sitting around, trying to keep doing the same things over and over again. Uh, years ago, somebody, you know, they, we have lots of sayings when we talk about trying to get moving, trying to get things done. You know, you got to put your ear to the ground and your shoulder to the work and uh, your nose to the grindstone. And now, if you did, if you were. Actually, physically capable of doing all of those things at the same time, how in the world would you get anything accomplished in that position? Amen. You ever thought about that? And if you got your ear to the ground and your shoulder to the work and your nose on the grindstone, uh, you're rather incapacitated, are you not? Um, and people do that all the time with the Bible. They come up with this little list of things. Now, Believe you me, we're giving out Bible reading schedules for 07, Sunday morning, all right? Say, Pastor, I didn't do very well last year. Welcome to humanity. All right? But you get you, you want to know something? We got a brand new year coming. Could we try a little harder? I actually had a couple people say, Oh, that's not enough. Well, read it twice, amen? Uh, But I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people struggle with that thing. But just because you read your daily Bible schedule every day of the year and never miss a verse, does that make you automatically spiritual? No. It'll help you. But just because you do something doesn't make you spiritual is the way people talk about it. If People who are consider their spirituality by the things they do, they, they have unusual ways of pronouncing words. And um, if you ever met anybody that's trusting their baptism to get to heaven, it's not baptism, it's baptism. And they'll say it that way all the time because that's the way... I don't know how it works, but you can ask my father-in-law. He'll tell you. He knows how to pronounce all those things because he's met him over the years. He's been preaching a long time. We're not here to trust in what we can do. But there are things that we must do if we want to be serious about serving Christ. Amen? It will help you to keep your Bible reading scheduled. But just because you follow a little checklist of things. There was a group of preachers traveling when I was a young man and and uh, one of them was all about soul winning. And he said, You gotta go out and you gotta be passing out tracks and you gotta be talking to people to Jesus about Jesus at least four hours a day. And there was another very famous preacher who lived about the same time. This was back in the late seventies, early eighties, and he said, It's it's all about prayer. You got to pray four hours a day and you got going through their little list of things and you didn't have time to eat, take a bath, go to work or any of these things. That's not what God's talking about. Amen. It's not just a set list of do's and don'ts. It's a changed life through Jesus Christ. You know what the problem is? if we got everyone in a line, our schedules would all be different, wouldn't they? We all do different things during the week. We work different hours. We we, we strive to do our best. But the issue is not what's on the daytimer, what's on the schedule book, what what I checked off my little list every day, the issue is the heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what makes true Bible Christianity so different than everything that we have out there in the world. And so as we look at this idea of our salvation, it's not just a list of rituals that we partake in. It is forward-looking. We're not to spend our entire Christian life just trying to deal with sin. God wants us to move forward, amen? We're not to spend our entire relationship with God trying to earn our salvation because Jesus already paid for it. But you go to most religious organizations, most religions today, most places that call themselves Christian What is that church all about? Well, you show up and you tell the priest your sins and you go and you take care of the things that you did wrong uh, this week and, and you promise not to do them next week and you have so many little things that you've got to check off your list to make sure that you've done enough good things to outweigh your bad things and then you go the next week and you start all over again. Your whole life is about what? Sin. That's not what the Christian life is about. You go to a Protestant church and it's worse because you're supposed to be good enough to deserve heaven. Now, they don't say it that way because if they did, you would stop and think about that and you would say, wait a minute, nobody's good enough to deserve heaven. The way they say it is you do the best you can and God understands. That doesn't work. Because if that's how we got salvation, then why would Jesus die on the cross, my friend? He died on the cross because God has every sin written down. He's got a record. And that record has to be reconciled with the first attribute of our high priest, Jesus Christ. Does anybody remember what it was? We've kind of come the whole way around in a circle here. We're back in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. It says, For such an high priest became us, who is... Say that word. Let's do that again. Who is what? Holy. Holy. Now that is a word that has lost great significance. In modern society, is it not? There is nothing that I can think of in American society that is holy anymore. Now, I can give you some examples of what used to be holy in American society. The word holy means separate, it means honored. It means separated for a specific purpose. What do you think would have happened in downtown New York City in December of 1941 if a bunch of German people had got together in Times Square and burned an American flag? Anybody want to venture a guess? Um, do you think those people would have marched out of there after they had done it? No, they'd been carried by an ambulance if they were still alive, and chances are they wouldn't have gotten the flag burned. You see, it used to be holy. Today, it's common. Now I was told I was not an eyewitness, but on September 12, 2001 on Steinway Street, they burned an American flag in front of one of the mosques and the police of New York City stood around and protected them because that is free speech. One of our neighbors told me about that and I said, I'm gonna lock myself in my office because if I went up there, I wouldn't be your pastor today. You see, we've taken special things. The word honor, does that mean anything today? Our politicians used to be honorable people. Uh, Unless the term indictment means honor... We don't have much honor left in our politicians today, do we? Now, when we talk about our religion, now here's the reason why I'm spending some time with this is because I want you to get a hold of this. What we do with our society at large often is a reflection of what we already have done with our relationship with God. Does that make any sense? We have commonized we have trivialized we have taken God from his platform of holiness and made him exactly like one of us read Romans chapter 1 that happens after you become unthankful you begin to make the tr- remake your gods in your own image What did the devil tell Eve in the Garden of Eden, our discipleship students? Yea, hath God said. And then what was the next thing? Ye shall be as gods. Wasn't it? And what what we have done is we have made God like us. Well, there's only one problem. If your God is like you, he's not holy. If he's not holy, he's not the God of this book called the Bible. And he is not capable of getting you to heaven. You know, people laugh all the time. They sit there and they laugh at God and they mock at God. And the Islamic world looks at us and they say, you Christians... You let people say things about God and you don't go out and kill them. That means you're weak. That means you don't care about your God. No, no, not, not at all. My God tells me that I'm not to fight evil with evil. Bible tells me that my God is big enough to take care of himself. And he doesn't want me helping him. But he wants me to treat him holy. And whenever I have an opportunity, and I make opportunity, whenever I can, to remind people that God is holy. When I'm dealing with a Muslim man, if I'm witnessing to him, if, he, if I can get, he can't even get into a conversation anymore. Uh, used to be before 9-11, I had many, many conversations with Muslim people and they would begin to say well jesus isn't god and i said no wait a minute you disrespect my god oh no i don't oh yes you do because my bible says jesus is god now i'm not disrespecting yours and i'm asking you not to disrespect mine that's the idea of holy i was in line at the post office a while back this was a while back i've told this story before but the guy comes in, takes one look at the post office people there and, and takes one look at the line and starts taking Jesus' name in vain. And he was standing right behind me, I mean, just going, uh, taking Jesus' name and, and I just looked at, I turned around and I said, it's not his fault. And he looked at me, I said, it's not Jesus' fault that there's a long line. If you want to curse somebody... I said, why don't you go over there and curse the people behind the post behind the windows? Now, Teddy, I'm not saying to do that. He works for the post office there. But if you're going to curse somebody, you see, you're not man... I didn't tell him this. I wanted to. He said, you're not man enough to go over there and curse the person behind the window because they'll throw you in jail. So you're going to curse God because you can't see him. But he stopped. That's what the word holy means. Don't go around saying, oh my God. Don't go gee whiz. That's an abbreviation. That's a slang for Jesus Christ. Never, never use the word damn. Let me explain to you what that word means. It comes from the word Damnation. That means condemned forever to hell. Is that what you want someone to be? And, and by the way, there is only one force in the universe that has the power and authority to use that word. That's God Himself. And when you use that word, you are blaspheming God by putting yourself in the position of God and sitting in judgment over another human being. You're in trouble, my friend. Don't do that. I remember meeting someone. He said, well, I've just all my life. It's a prayer. Oh, my God, help me. No, no. Don't get common with God. Amen. He's holy. Treat him with respect. Treat his name with respect. It's not Jesus this and Jesus that. Be careful. When you pray, when you talk to God, you're praying. Don't get into the habit of abbreviated prayers. How many of you know what a genuflection is? Where you Well, let me see now. If I'm Catholic, I start on the left, and if I'm Orthodox, I start on the right, right? Age-old debate there. Someone once told me one time, he says, Well, you're a Baptist, you're different. I want to know which one is truly right. I said, Oh, that's easy. And boy, his eyes got big, he was going to get an answer. I said, Neither one. There's not one verse in the Bible that says that we're to abbreviate our prayers by tapping ourselves on the shoulder and making the sign of the cross. If you need to pray, take time to talk to God because He's holy, amen? Don't abbreviate it. Now, you can pray anywhere. And I don't recommend if you're driving and praying that you close your eyes, all right? Keep them open. And God is not so concerned about the position of your body as He is the position of your heart. But there's nothing wrong with taking some time to get down on your knees and spending some time before a holy God. That's what holy means. It is the first and foremost attribute of God. It is what makes him so different than anything else that is out there. And you study God's holiness We profane it every time we sin. We, we've got to get a hold of this issue of God's holiness. What is the next attribute here? Harmless. Now, how many times when you think of God do you think of harmless? I mean, most of us When we think of God, we think of this great, omnipotent, that means all-powerful God that reaches from one end of the universe to the other and doesn't even stretch His arms to do so. And we think of how God spoke and everything out of nothing became. And we think of God's great power and we ought to. But it says harmless. We normally don't put that adjective or attribute when we're thinking about God. In fact, many times we think of him as harmful. If you don't do what he says, man, there's going to be bad things happen. And let me tell you, God is a God of judgment. But God, it says here, our high priest is harmless. You know why he's harmless? Is because as he was on the cross, the unmitigated, undiluted um, Andrew. You need to go back and pick up Philip. He's just making a problem there. Let's start over again. As Jesus was on the cross, you had a direct line of God's wrath, of God's judgment for all sin, for all ages, poured out upon Jesus Christ, His Son if you or I were to be anywhere near close to that thing it would vaporize us immediately in fact here's the best way to understand it it will take you as a finite human being an eternity to accomplish the suffering that Jesus did in one day hanging on that cross as an infinite God does that make sense His depth of person is infinite. It's past our finding out and our comprehending. And in his ability and in his person as an infinite God, he was able to take that judgment and that wrath of Almighty God and absorb it all in himself so you and I could go free. If that doesn't qualify as harmless, I don't know what does. God is not our high priest so that he can zap us or condemn us to a place called hell. He is our high priest so we can find forgiveness of sins and spend eternity with him in heaven. Does that make sense? Got awful quiet there. The writer of Hebrews is describing our high priest. Number one, he is holy. Number two, he is harmless because he took all of the harm himself and there's none left over for you or I if we believe and trust in his name. We need to think more biblically about our God. When we think of his holiness, the first thing we think of is his judgment. It is a... um, Conditioned response. But that is not the way God looks at his holiness. His holiness is harmless. Because he himself took care of all of the judgment and the wrath and the suffering. If we will only stand in the shadow. Of the crucified Christ. If we will only put our faith in him. He is not here to hurt us. I can't tell you how many people over the years have said. I I would really like to serve God. But I'm kind of afraid what he's going to do to me. He's harmless my friend. He only wants what's best for you. Let God, have, Don't be afraid of God in the sense that He's going to do something. Now, He may do something with your life that you don't like. You just need to get your liker fixed, amen? You, you, we are the ones that need the attitude rearrangement, not Jesus Christ. Because He is holy. He is harmless. Look at that next one. Undefiled. That means without sin. Only God was able to take upon Himself God's judgment for all of our sin and not be defiled with it. Have you ever tried to help a family member or a friend out of a deep problem. I mean, maybe somebody was addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or just, I mean, into totally self-destructive behavior. And you were there to try to intervene and try to help them. It's not too long before you're usually going to end up blowing your stack. Is what we say. Getting angry. Saying,
1: why do you do this?
0: Wake up! Stop this! What have you just done? You just got defiled? Because you sinned right along with them? Oh yeah, your sin was different than theirs. But it's not the same sin, praise God. But there's there, there have been cases where... Uh, especially in dating relationships, this is absolutely dangerous. As I've, I've met people, uh, they have this, uh, I call it a mother complex. Uh, it happens to ladies more than it does men. They're going to find some poor, degenerate, ruined example of a human being and they're going to pick him up and straighten him out and make him the man that he was entitled and supposed to be. And both of them end up in the drunk house. Happens. Brother Clayton preached about the different vessels. And little Philip was listening to that message. And he said, I don't want to be hogslop. Now, that's not exactly what Brother Clayton said, but he got the idea now, didn't he? Only Jesus could take upon him the judgment. Now, if you listen to the television, if you listen to TNN, uh, or no, TDN, it's Trinity Broadcasting, turn it off, please, as a favor to yourself. Don't, don't, I've heard some of those preachers preach. They say Jesus became a sinner. That is blasphemy. Jesus did not pay the devil because the debt wasn't owed to the devil the debt was owed to God because it was God's laws that were broken Jesus did not become when the bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him you got to have at least enough understanding of the bible to understand that Jesus didn't become a sinner read the bible He was the sacrifice for sin, the payment for sin. That's what God told Cain. When Cain tried to worship God with the works of his own hand, he said, sin lieth at the door. He wasn't talking about this erythro idea of sin waiting to pounce on you. He's talking about one of Abel's sheep. The sacrifice is right there. If you don't do well, God will accept a blood sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice. Why? Because he's holy. But he's harmless. He absorbed all of the judgment. He is our shield. He protects us from the wrath of God because he took it for us. Because only as God could he die and come back to life again. Only God can do those things. But in all of that work, He is undefiled. Isn't that a wonderful thing? What's the next one? Separate from sinners. Again, we talk about making God like one of us. No, He doesn't react like we do. Amen? He's God. He is separate from us. Um, who was it? Well, there was this trashy rock group in the 70s called uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band or something like that. And then some idiot came along in the early 80s and they were going to have JC, meaning Jesus Christ, and the Sunshine, S-O-N, Shine Band. They were going to do rock and roll for Jesus. No, no. It says separate from sinners. Amen. We're not going to go down in the gutters of this world to try to find something that appeals to the world and attach Jesus' name to it. Amen. We want our worship to Jesus, our relationship to Him, to be different because He was separate from sinners. Amen. He's not like us. And he is made higher than the heavens. Higher than the heavens. And it's not just talking about the sky, my friend. When we talk about the heavens here, we have three basic layers. We talk about the heavens being the sky then the universe and then the abode of God that's the one that's